Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo, as always. And this weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Noah, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. My voice was cracking there for a sec. Yeah, and I, I started talking without having my mic on. We This is... It's already great. Yeah, we're off to a flying start here. Um, but how you been, man? Almost almost done school? Yeah, yeah. Um, taking a couple classes in the summer and then a couple more in the in the fall, and then I'll be done my program. Um, you're you're almost done your program. Yeah, almost Less graduated. Very exciting. Uh, so looking forward to that. One last paper to do, and and we'll be good here. And yeah, I mean, you know, things have been good. We got snow outside right now, which is a bit weird. Very uh, weird. At this time of year. Uh, but, you know, it's not cold out at least. So, you know, could be worse, I guess. Absolutely. You know, but I will say, like, I was driving home from work last night. The snow had just fallen. And because it's April, I have my summer tires on. And I was like on the highway. It's like 2 a.m. And I come around the I come around like a corner on the highway. And I literally slid, like I was in the inside lane. I slid all the way across and like, like pumped the brakes, like ended up like in the shoulder of the highway. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like it was, and the visibility is brutal too. But uh, other than that, love the snow. Things are good. Uh, And, you know, lots of stuff going on in sports. Uh, Speaking of MMA though, with that DraftKings ad read, did you watch the, uh, the the logan uh paul boxing fight the other night the jake paul sure i unfortunately i did yes what a waste i first of all there was like two hours of music and maybe 15 minutes of fighting uh 
I get that they're trying to like reach a new audience, but at the same time, if, if you're going to do that, don't stage your fights. Like that, that, that Jake Paul fight, in my opinion, was completely staged. Ben Askren had no like desire to win for, I mean, he showed up. He looked, he looked so out of shape. Yeah, it was not great. I actually, I did like the music though. Like, the, you know, it was like basically just like a, con- they should have just promoted it as a concert at that point. Yeah. And I mean, Pete Davidson and uh, Snoop Dogg, but mostly Pete Davidson really saved the night in my opinion. Um, yeah. It's- well, that was, that was the thing for me too, is that like, I like, I wanted the fight to go longer, not because I really care that much about the fight, but because I just wanted to hear more of the commentary from, from the group, uh, from Pete and Snoop Dogg. But either way, what won't be staged or will likely be a lot better is UFC 261 coming up this weekend. Looking forward to that. But in the meantime, lots of hockey stuff going on. Lots of lots hockey of stuff hockey going stuff. on. Yeah. Uh, and I think we should probably start off with kind of the, the biggest news from around the league this week, which is that the OHL announced that they will not be having a season this year, the WHL announced that they will not be having playoffs this year and the QMJHL doesn't give a fuck and is just doing everything. Uh, Precisely. Um, is that, yeah. Is that, is that a good way to sum it up? Yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting developments. I don't think anybody's surprised about the OHL. Uh, WHL not having playoffs is might be a little surprising to me, uh, but I mean, good for the players, good for Connor Bedard who, who got Unbelievable. To, who, who got to to experience his first junior hockey season? Uh, and then, honest, I, I I was telling you before the podcast started. I'm pretty sure, like every single non maritime hockey team in the QMJHL has gotten COVID. Like probably. Like I don't I don't know I don't know the facts. I in honestly front of me just, right now. I I don't even just off know the top what, of the head. I don't even know what they're thinking. I don't think they care anymore. Like. They've been stopped so many times and they just keep on going. And I think like the Maritime teams were only playing each other. So it was literally just, I think, Moncton, Bathurst, Halifax, and um, P- yeah, Charlottetown. Yeah. He's literally like a four. Oh, maybe St. John's was in there. I can't remember if they included St. John's in that bubble. Anyways, they, you know, it's, they, they've virtually only played each other, like four teams. Um, it, but I, I just applaud for the QMJHL for, for trying to do it. It's hopefully they, they can succeed, but no surprise coming from the OHL. Yeah. Like it's tough. Cause obviously like you want these, these players to play and have the opportunity to show what they can do, but then there's the safety element of it. Uh, but that, that sucks for the OHL players uh, that weren't able to, to show what they can do this year. I mean, that's just a huge loss for them and has massive long-term, you know, impact for, for a lot of them. So, like, disappointing, but fully expected at this point. Like, yeah, we're in April. Definitely disappointing. And kind of makes you think, like, should they adjust the format of the draft is – my, my suggestion that people said, oh, hold two drafts next season. That's not going to be possible. Um, well, my suggestion was, why not like a three-round draft this summer? 
and then have four more rounds after during the Christmas break, during the World Junior break, or after the World Juniors. Yeah, like I think they'll, they'll have to come up with something. I think, I uh, but I think they're I I don't think they're they're changing anything. I think it's just going to be seven seven regular rounds. Yeah, it doesn't like it doesn't sound like they're changing anything, but I I think they should like because it it isn't fair to a lot of the players. Um, it's not fair to the teams either. No, you, you think you think of a, a a team like I mean Ottawa was Ottawa was smart about it because. As far I'm pretty sure all the um, all the draft picks they collected were not for for this upcoming draft. A lot of them were for 2022 and 2023, uh, which I thought was very interesting. That, that being said, I it's tough because you have Seattle like coming into the league, right? Yeah, you have to give you have to give Seattle their their you have to give them an opportunity to build up their prospect pool. Um, but it's it's e to z to see how a team like um, a good team like Tampa Bay would be more willing to wait another another year for the draft versus yeah. you know a lesser team that would want to get prospects in sooner rather than later. Yeah, like I imagine they'll do some sort of like prospects tournament in the summer, just to have something so that you know people have at least can at least see them play. Yeah. Um, but another potential solution, I'm just thinking of here, like, because a lot of the, the backlashes, obviously if you're draft eligible players, right. They don't get to show what they can do, but then there's a lot of overagers, right. Who didn't get drafted last year, who this would have been their overage season and they might've gotten drafted this year. So then you can maybe take those players and say, these players are not eligible for the NHL draft and then have a separate like overage or draft of like I have a kind of a different method of dealing with all the overagers is I mean why doesn't the OHL say okay like this year we're gonna allow up to 21 year olds yeah like could... just for a year you limit the number of course per team but I think it would solve a lot, and it but then does the so but does the AHL kids. factor in like would they? Because then they're missing out on players too. Those twenty-one-year-olds that a lot of them sign AHL or ECHL deals. Well, you think they would pick the OHL over the AHL? Um. Well, if they wouldn't, then. What's the point? Like, I don't know. It's it's tricky. I don't think they would. I think they would pick the AHL. They would not go to the OHL, so it would not like affect the AHL. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they I think they like. They, I think of... they have to come up with something. Yeah. Right. I think that's the obvious. But it, it sucks for a lot of the guys that just weren't able to, to. We weren't able to see them this year. So and like and we have our you know our good friend of the show Jacob Barker. <laughs> who is the Ontario region scout for Dauber prospects. And there was no Ontario region to scout. Yeah. There, there was literally nothing. I saw his, uh, his Twitter post about not being able to scout in his first year with Dauber, which is really unfortunate. So many people are, 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 are losing in this entire situation. It's sad. Yeah, it, it is sad. And it's, it's going to be tough for a lot of people, but 
And then, no. I mean, do you anticipate the OHL coming back with people in the stands in September? What, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, I mean, I think a lot of that depends on on Canada and where, you know, things are at. I mean, where I'm at right now, like I'm, you know, near Toronto and we're just, we're back into lockdown now. So not doing great, but. <laughs> could be going better. Yeah, it could be going better. I think you, you, you kind of just like, obviously the goal and what they'd want is to have, you know, everything back to normal by the fall. It's just, is, is that going to be possible? Like quite honestly, like I have no clue. I mean, I know the, the NFL in the U S has uh, like full intentions of playing with fans next semester, uh, next year. So that, that's interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how like the Canadian sports deal with it. But I would really hope for the teams, for the fans that they get, they get the opportunity to go in person, you know? Yeah. Well, that's just, yeah, that's just say like, it is such a difference maker. And I think for the NHLs, like in particular, like they, they can't do another season or part of a season without fans in the stands. It's just not possible. Especially in Canada. So, yeah. So if, if they're not able to do that in Canada, they're, they're going to find a way to make it happen somehow, some way to have fans in every stadium and every I, I'd be really year. interested in seeing the even those the big teams like Toronto if Toronto even made money this year doubtful right doubtful and I mean that's not that's not good that's that's the Toronto Maple Leafs you know yeah. it's well it's like it's interesting so like so we saw this week the brief rise and fall of like the Super League in European soccer right yeah which was just not, not popular among fans. No, immediately terrible, right? And lasted for like two days. But like the like the NHL equivalent of that would be like if you had like the Leafs and the Bruins and the Rangers and like the Kings and the Canadians all just dip, right? Because like mm-hmm. everyone everyone's hurting right now. And so like in soccer, they just the top teams just said, Oh, screw it. We'll we'll recover together and screw every other team, right? Basically. And like, so yeah. quite honestly, like I, I know I don't, I don't think there's any NHL team right now that's like doing great financially for sure, except for maybe Seattle because, you know, they, they wouldn't have any yeah. fans anyways right now. But exactly. Um, and it's important. Like the fans just add so much to the sport, right? And like, for, for like for the Panthers fan base specifically too, like this is the best team we've seen in a long time for the Panthers. And of course, you know, they, they do have limited capacity, but to be able to see, you know, the BB and T center, you know, at capacity, you know, fans enjoying it, you know, because when, when, when the team's good in Florida, the, the fans are there, right. And the buildings, the buildings loud and it's, ex- there's an excitement. Absolutely. And so to have this team and to not have that, that amount of fans there is unfortunate, but you know, hopefully it's not just, you know, a one year, one off year for this team. Hopefully they're, you know, in the mix for a while and we get to see that, you know, starting next season. Yeah. And I mean, if last game against Columbus is any indicator with Spencer Knight getting his first NHL win in his first NHL start is future's bright. Yeah. I mean, we got to talk about that. What'd you think of the, of the kid in his debut? He looked good. I thought obviously he was, I think he was nervous. He, on some of the saves he made, he was a little bit out of position, but I wouldn't expect, I, I would expect 
that from like any other, you know, like star- goalie in his yeah, first you, NHL. You, Sorry, they, they, I didn't. He looked, he looked great for his first NHL start. I thought. I mean, thirty-three saves, gave up one goal. Like, I yeah, thought, well, you gave up the great. other one that came back on offside, right? Yeah, that was a close one. It was close, but when I watched it live, I was like, I think that might be off. Yeah. Right? Like immediately, I was like, because like I think the announcers initially were talking about goal interference. It's like, no, they're like definitely looking at offside here, right? Like it was very close. Like it was close. Yeah, yeah, because he was off. There, there was kind of goalie interference because uh, I can't remember who the who was the defenseman on the play because he bumped into Knight and he I, he apologized obviously, um, but he was like. I can't remember. I, mean, I want to say Gudis, but I don't know if it was Gudis. Gudis ran into Knight on that goal, and you can't really that that wasn't Knight's fault at all. No, no, so, like, no. It wouldn't have been Knight's fault at all. Like, there's nothing yeah. you could have really done on that. But it was exactly. also, like, I don't think it would have been goalie interference either. Right? No, was, uh, definitely like, not. The, like the defenseman was kind of like guided a bit, but he wasn't like push right into Spencer Knight. No, and um, I think I I only think. I, for the purpose of the argument, I'm just saying Gudis because I can't remember who the the exact. Um... Yeah, sure. When in doubt, just blame it on Radko Gudis. Yeah. Good for who, Who's been playing great? I one of the announcers at one point was uh, said uh, Radko Gudis since the next the the in recent games has been playing like a Bobby Orr, which I thought was a very generous comparison. But that's a big that's big for Bobby Orr. <laughs> if anything, I mean. Yeah, he's he's been playing really well lately. Uh, and for Spencer Knight, like first NHL game, like he said, he was nervous, but not as nervous as he, he anticipated he'd be, just because of you know the guys were really good, making him feel comfortable, and the team played pretty solid in front of him uh, for the most part. Even though you know they do give up thirty three shots, um, but I thought mm-hmm. he would, he looked really good. And I was kind of thinking back, the only time we've ever either of us have ever seen him play live, right? Uh, a couple of years ago. And the thing that I just love about his game is, is his movement, like his feet. Like he's always making such tiny little adjustments to make sure he's in that like perfect spot. And of course he lost his positioning, you know, a couple of times, but when you're talking about like straight up chances, not like rebounds or anything, like he's always like in perfect positioning. Cause he's always moving his feet just ever so slightly. Like it's so impressive that and his play with like pucks in tight. Uh, yeah are the two things that i just i love about his game yeah he's really it's really cool uh uh, he's really good like yeah he's really it's it's fun to see him on the panthers yeah and i'm really is yeah especially this early too i mean like he's only 20 right yeah right and that's the thing too like goalie making your first start but to there's not a lot of goalies that that play their first game at 20 years old or younger Right, like very no, few. No, absolutely do. not. Like in the NHL now, like maybe Carter Hart probably, and then like I, I don't even know recently who who else would be there. But I mean, when did John Gibson make a start for Anaheim? I remember he played in the World Championship before Anaheim. In a yeah, he might have he might have been twenty two, but he was. Like, it was still a decent amount of years ago, right? It was like 12, eight oh, years ago. Oh, because Gibson played college. 
Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, Gibson was a while ago. I think Gibson yeah. is way older than I think he is. Yeah, I think a lot. Like that's the thing because like goalies take longer to get here usually, right? And the guys that do play early are usually the guys who were drafted pretty early, mm-hmm. right? Like you know Carter Hart uh, as a second rounder. And with- I mean, Mikey DiPietro got to start with Vancouver against the Sharks when he was still playing with uh... Windsor. He got like it was like an emergency start. He wasn't supposed yeah. to start. Was he with Windsor or Ottawa by that time? Oh, I think it might have been with Oshawa. I, anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, he, yeah, he got an emergency start, but he was still very young. I, he must have been twenty. If, yeah, he must have been twenty. He must have been twenty, and he got, but he got lit up. Junior. Oh, by the Sharks, he was. I think the seven, six or seven goals allowed. Yeah, and it was like it was brutal. He was like, it wasn't like the team just played terrible in front of them that night. I remember watching he did not, that game. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like he didn't play great. Like it's good, you know, he's he's a good goalie. That probably wasn't his best, obviously nervous. Uh but that team did not help him. And I thought the Panthers did a pretty good job last night, you know, playing behind a young playing in front of a young goalie. Uh you know, gave him lots of goal support. Uh, and for, for him, you know, he, he played great and mm-hmm. uh you know the, the future of the Panthers goaltending looks good for sure. It it really does. I mean, you got Sergei Bobrovsky with, you know, probably 20 years left on that contract. Chris Drieger might be gone in expansion. Who knows? But, you know, you got Knight and it's looking good. I was very, I was very impressed with, with, uh, you know, his performance last night. I thought he was excellent. He, he was, and the team played so well in front of him. Yeah. And I mean, we got to talk about that line, the yes. line. It is. I mean, both goals. First of all, they scored two goals last night. Literally, like the same goal. Yeah. Okay. Like, so it, like obviously it was identical. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, I thought like Barkov and Gusev looked like they're finding some chemistry on that line, but then the mm-hmm. line of Bennett, Duclair, and Huberto has just looked dominant. And Sam Bennett getting another couple goals last night. I mean, he has been so good uh, in yeah, these first I mean, few games here. Duclair is so fast. He can stretch out the play combined with Huberto, who, I mean, in my opinion, can do anything. You know, he's got a bit of everything. Uh, but I, I, I'd say I'd, I'd highlight his his hockey sense. I mean, yeah. he, he can see passes that most people can't. And then combine that with a presence like Sam Bennett, who's able to, you know, crash the net and finish. It seems like such a marvelous recipe for a hockey line. Well, yeah, like you talk about like lines around the league that are, you know, really the really effective lines around the league have guys on the lines that bring different elements to the, to that group. Right. Like the prime example, because lines get split up all the time. Right. But like if you look at like Boston with the perfection line with Bergeron and Marshawn and Poshnock, right? Like Bergeron's hockey IQ, his two-way ability. Brad Marchand is an excellent playmaker and a pest. And David Poshnock's got great scale and is a good finisher. Mm-hmm. And so when you put them all on the line, like they just make each other better. And the same thing for like 
Colorado with their line of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen, where, you know, McKinnon's got the speed, Landeskog, a bit more of a two-way player, and then Rantanen, that power forward who can do, you know, a little bit of everything. And so it's maybe not the same caliber of player in total, but that line of, of Huberto, Bennett, and Duclair, I mean, they all just mesh so well together so quickly. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see. Um, I I was I, I they they really impressed me, and then the the goose is really getting comfortable with Barkov. I feel um, he he set he set him up for the first goal of the game. Excellent uh, feed. Yeah, I mean, per, perfect, perfect. I I that's that's so good for for Panthers fan is. Um, that, that such a good, such a good top six, like it really, really it, good top six. It's a really good top six, and it's just like I don't even know how to phrase. It. Like they're not expensive. Like they're just they just play well together, right? And I think like at a point, like you got to give a lot of credit. I think here to like Joel Quenville and Bill Zito for putting this team together. Because Bill Zito's made some great acquisitions without giving up a lot in terms of assets. And then Joel Quenville, it just seems like it really doesn't matter who's coming over the boards. Like, they're just going to play the best that they've ever played. Like, he just gets a lot of the guys, and he can just throw almost anyone, it seems like, into this system and get results. Like, yeah. You see a lot of teams that go out and make, you know, big acquisitions, bring in a few guys at the deadline, and it takes them a little while to get adjusted. But he just dropped these guys in, and and they've been, you know, pretty excellent, really. And, and, and it feels like like Quenville is going to have kind of a – maybe not a problem, but more of a – well, it's a good problem. It's a good problem to have. What happens when Verhage comes back? I know it's like almost too you know, much it's, speed. It's do, do you put him on? Do you do you put him in the top six, or if those two lines are really meshing, like do you like? It, it's going to be a really really interesting situation. But well, that's good, a th- good like, that's problem the thing to too. Have. Is like this team is, you know, they're they're playing really well right now, and they have some significant injuries like Verhage and like Ekblad being out for the rest of the season. Like at full health, like this is a very very good hockey team. I imagine when Verhage comes back, you're probably putting him on that line with, with Gusev and Barkov and just saying, I mean, Verhage will fly. Gusev's got great skill. Barkov, the two-way game. Like, it's another well-rounded line. And, like, Mason Marchment's been great in the interim. But you bump him down and you play him somewhere in that bottom six, I think you got, you know, a really deep forward group. Yeah. Like, just. Absolutely. Yeah, so so impressive. And I mean, like, as I know it's early. I know it's early, no, you know. But the Panthers are undefeated in the Sam Bennett era. And I mean And he's over a point per game. Over a point per game. You know? And it's just like it's not even that he's putting up points, it's like the way he's putting up points too, I think is huge. Like the two goals he had yesterday versus Columbus. He gets because he's just going to the net, stopping at the net, knocking home pucks, right? Right. And that is exactly what you'd want from a guy like Sam Bennett, who's big, strong, right? And has enough skill and tight that he can he can bury those chances. 
And I just think it's exactly what you expect from him uh, as that type of player and just such a great fit with the two other players on that line. And, yeah. You know, and I've been talking with some Flames fans too about it. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're honestly, they're all, they're all so happy that he's doing well. And that's good. And I think they, they obviously got a decent return for him. I mean, basically two second round picks. Uh, I think, I think, I think it's a very fair thing. He was just, just not destined to do anything good in, in Calgary and yeah. just needed to come to Florida. Yeah. We've talked at length about the return and like the thing for me is I think the return was just pure, like fair value, right based on what Sam Bennett is and what he's done so far in his career. And, you know, those picks being those picks, but I think, you know, some people were like, Oh, that's such an, over-. some people saw it as an overpay. And I think that's more just because there were so many underpays on free agency that fair value looked like an overpay. You know, when you consider what guys like Taylor Hall went for and some of the, the other names that went on, on trade deadline day. But I mean, Sam Bennett is, quickly becoming a fan favorite in South Florida. Rightfully so. I mean, he does 100% deserves it. Yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah, he, he's the perfect player for fans that just does everything, gives you a hundred percent effort on everything. And it, it's, it's early, but it's been a ton of fun, man. I'm loving it. Yeah. And for some reason I'm, I'm thinking that he fought someone. A couple games ago, maybe I'm just confused. Oh, I think he might have. I I, I want to say he did. I can't. I'm not sure, but that's just that's awesome. I know. And it was like his second game. Yeah, and he's just gonna be such a force in the playoffs. Like just another, you know, big physical presence that the Panthers are gonna have. And you know this this group's they're they're playing some really good hockey right now. Uh, you know, heating up at the right time. And it's it's going to be fun down the stretch, man. It's going to be a ton of fun. And I can't wait to to see what this group can do. And I think we're kind of at the point – I mean, and like – man, and I think I think we're going to be seeing some hard work coming to Florida too in the summer. For, no, not – yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked. I, I think Quenville is the most deserving for, for the – Oh, Jack uh, Adams. Jack Adams. I I knew Adams. I just didn't want to say Adams. I, like it, it would be so much better with the first name. But I would be shocked if he didn't. If if that wasn't in the bag. Yeah, like it would be an egregious, egregious mistake if he didn't get the Jack Adams. Like yeah. in like in my mind, and I know we're quite biased here because we are Panthers fans, obviously. But quite honestly, like who's another coach you could confidently like say has done a better job. I don't think there is. I don't think there is another coach in this league right now who is more deserving of that award. I, yeah, I, off the top of my head, the only one I would maybe say would be Minnesota. Dean Evison. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, but you probably share that with like Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, like no, like Minnesota, like that's a that's a good pick too. I but I still think that Quenville should be like massively favored. Well, like like here are just some straight facts for you, right? 
the Panthers were a fringe playoff team last year, right? They lose two of their better, like their better offensive weapons. And they, and they bring in a bunch of low risk guys, whatever. And everyone like pegs them as, you know, going to finish towards the bottom of this division, you know, somewhere behind Nashville and Dallas. And you look at what they're doing right now. I mean, tied for, for first in the div, Carolina's got a couple games in hand, but like there to me, there, there's no other choice. No, there, there isn't. No. And like, you know, I think with like the, the Jim Gregory, the GM of the year, obviously, you know, Bill Zito for sure should be in the mix. Right. And will likely be a finalist, but I think he, like you can make cases for a couple other play, you know, GMs there too. I think Bill Zito's definitely up there. Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Carter Verhage alone. Yeah. I think I, I, what do you, do you have any idea if this has ever happened or if it has the last time GM and coach from the same team win both awards? Um, no. Okay. But I, that would be I, a good trivia question. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I'll look it up. So, but I do know that, uh, a few years ago, Pierre Dorian was a finalist for GM of the year and Paul uh, Guy Boucher was a finalist for coach of the year and Paul Dorian or Pierre Dorian's move that like nominated, like there was the reason he was nominated was for hiring Guy Boucher. Okay. Uh, but that is all you got. Like, all right. It, so, right. The f- to, so, the Jim Gregory was only uh, created in 2010. So, let's see. So, not, not a huge sample size we're looking at here. Oh. <laughs> yes. The first year. Who was it? <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you want to take a guess? So the year's 2010? The 2009-2010 season. Okay, 2009. Same team. Same team. The coach won the Jack Adams, and the GM won the Jim Gregory Award. All right, I got three guesses, and I think I'm going to get it with one of the three. Maybe right. it, I might need four. Um, it happened again two years later, 2011, 2012. Wow, I'm really sensing a pattern here. Okay. Um, Can I make my picks? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my guess is for 2010, my first guess, I'm going to guess, uh, I'll guess. Uh, it also happened. It also happened in the past two years. Okay, three. so it, it's quite common. It's same three, as like the past three seasons. Very, right. very common, actually. So 2010, I'm going to guess. Uh, past five seasons. No, no, I no, I misspoke with that one. All right, I'm going to guess Pittsburgh. For 29, 20, 2009, 2010? Yeah. You are wrong. Is it Detroit? 
It's not. Do you want a hint? Is it Chicago? It's not. Is it Philly? It's not. You've okay. gotten you, two of your answers had the right first letter for the city. This, this is kind of a tricky one, though. Wait, so two of my guesses had the right first letter for a city. Yeah. And I guessed Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. Okay. It's not Peterborough. No, like so it's P. Yeah, right? I, I'm telling you, this is a trick. This is a tricky one. I think the more I say it's a tricky one, I think the more of a hint it is. So it starts with a P. The city starts with a P. One hundred percent does. Well, it's tricky. I'm telling you. Okay. Well, if it's tricky, then. It's probably got to be a city not in the NHL anymore. 2009, 2010? All right, I give up. Fuck it. Your Phoenix Coyotes. What? They so that, were still Phoenix at the time. Yeah, that's good. Don so, Maloney as the and, GM. And Dave Tippett. And Dave Tippett as the coach. Oh, I guess they went on that conference finals run that year, right? Yeah. And okay, then, so, so flash forward 2011-2012. Yeah. Uh, we have um, the St. Louis Blues. Doug Armstrong as GM. And Hitchcock and, as the coach? Hitchcock is the coach. Okay, that would not for have been the my past, guess. Th- past three seasons, uh, Vegas, Boston Islanders. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Well. Oh, I guess uh, actually only Vegas counts because Islanders trots won in 2018, but Lou won the season after that. Sorry. Okay, so only Vegas in 2017-2018. So their inaugural year. Yeah. So it, it happens every, like, I say three years, four years, every yeah. four years. All right. Well, I, 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 have, I have a good feeling that, you know, this could be another one of those years. I, I think so, too. I think the cycle has to come back into effect. Well, and I just think they deserve it. They do. Bias or no bias. They've, they've been awesome. Like, how do you argue with what they've done? Absolutely. But either way, we will see. In the meantime, we'll just enjoy this stretch drive from the Panthers, you know, and watching some more Sam Bennett killing it out there and should be a lot of fun. But thank you to everyone tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode and we will see you all then.